Joe Gagney here, welcoming you to a very special edition of Joe vs. the World, number 44 to be exact. And just what makes it so special? Well, tonight we have not one, not two, not even three, but seven guests in total. You see, there are a few people who are friends of our little show, people who have helped me out in the past, people I've wanted to get on the show but couldn't really find the right place for them. So what I did was invite seven people on, gave them five minutes apiece, and let them talk, talk about the topic of their choosing. This is a true global-spanning edition with guests hailing from such diverse places as Ireland to Canada to right here in the good old U.S. of A., with topics ranging from MMA to independent wrestling to why only good wrestlers come from Miami. I had planned to have ten guests on, but much like Mike Quackenbush organizing the Tag World Grand Prix, I realized the fewer people there were for me to coordinate, the easier it was. Also, I wanted to get Chikara fan Dan on the show, but due to technical and schedule problems, he was unable to be on, so... If you hear him reference later on and wonder why he wasn't featured, there you go. So we're going to take a brief musical break and be back in mere seconds with our first guest. Alright, my first guest here today is Chris McLeod of InThisVeryRing.com. Chris, your topic is UFC 68, and your five minutes start right now. Now, uh, you watched the show in a bar, correct? Yes, uh, the bar was Jack Dempsey's, actually, on 33rd Street of New York City, and I attended this bar with uh, Joe and Brendan of ITVR New York. Uh, you know, got to represent the in the ring dot com family. Now, uh, was it a, a full house? Was there like were people knowledgeable about the product? Honestly, it was a little less empty than I thought it would be. I thought we'd have a lot more trouble getting in. Um, maybe that was partly due to the cover charge, which was twenty dollars mm. to get upstairs to watch this show. Oops. But um, there were a good number of people there. I'd estimate about. 35, but I'm terrible at estimation, so don't take my word for it in the end. But I'd say about 35 people were there or so. Have you seen any uh, WWE pay-per-views in the same locale? I'm just curious how it would stack up. I actually have not, but um, speaking of WWE pay-per-views, I've actually heard a lot of buzz for WrestleMania, so I don't know... If you know it's going to be comparable to what this was, or less than what this was, but I take that for what it's worth. All right. Well, the big story here was Randy Couture beating Tim Sylvia to win the UFC heavyweight title. How was the fight, and how did the uh, the crowd react to it in in the bar? Well, it was an awesome fight. I mean. Just starting off, you could tell everyone, by that point in the bar, everyone had 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 a few drinks in them, so basically everyone was pulling for Randy. There were several several times throughout the fight where loud chants of Randy, Randy, Randy got started. I think I actually started one myself, but I cannot remember for sure because I had had quite a bit to drink. (laughs) Nothing nothing to be proud of. Kids, do not drink. Um, But... Yeah, everyone is really behind Couture. Um, amazing, amazing fight. Uh, I really 
just basically everything that Sylvia tried, Coach Hoare seemed to have an answer for. Even Brendan, who's a big boxing fan, really knowledgeable about boxing, was complimenting Coach Hoare's stand-up game because uh, his criticism, actually, of UFC was, has mostly been, and, you know, these guys on stand-up, they have some pretty good striking abilities, but they don't really defend as well against the strike sometimes. But Coach Hoare was bobbing and weaving, you know, really just... Hadn't answered everything Sylvia Sylvia could throw at him. He had his number, and in the end, it was great. Now, I've heard some people say that um, if you didn't know the backstory to this fight, there were some people new to UFC who had seen this, said it wasn't all that great of a fight. Do you think it was true, or you were slightly influenced by uh, knowing the Randy Couture story? Honestly, I don't... I haven't been watching UFC for that long. I'm not... I'm going to be honest with you. Maybe from about last year... Like around the time Fuse versus Gracie, I really started getting into it, but I, I don't know that much of the Randy Couture backstory. I know a little bit, but that didn't that didn't affect me in any way. It was still really a special moment to see him win. It was because I'm one, I'm not that big a fan of Tim Sylvia, mm-hmm. and two, Randy just in the fight showed showed me a lot, and I was really impressed with his performance. So, and. Maybe it was also the effect of several Roman Cokes, but and being in this bar with this really great atmosphere for this fight, but it really carried over to me, and I thought it came across really well to pretty much everyone who's watching the fight. It was it was a good fight. All right, we have about a minute left. Uh, what else of note happened on the show? Oh boy! Well, the two big fights that I that stick out in my mind, honestly, are Hughes versus Lytle, which. Um, I guess she was dominated him, but I wasn't overly impressed. I personally thought that he should have won more decisively. I don't know if other people might think that, but that was just my first impression. And Franklin versus McDonald, I didn't think this was going to be as one-sided as it was, but Franklin just owned the man, completely owned Jason McDonald. I was very impressed by Rich Franklin's performance, very impressed by his post-match promo with Anderson Silva running into the ring and giving him a big hug. I thought that was really cool. Um, And those are the two fights that really stick out in my mind. And overall, it made for a really great show. Also worth noting, the worm beat the gizzard, although I don't think that that fight aired on pay-per-view. The gizzard? Yeah. I have I have no idea what you're referring to. Yeah, there was, um, oh, I forgot the guy's names, but one guy was nicknamed the worm, the other was the gizzard. <laughs> it was Jason the Worm, Varner, and uh, something the gizzard. I don't know, but yes, uh, the worm the worm turned and beat the gizzard. Yeah, sadly, I don't believe this aired on pay-per-view. Um, the only other two fights that aired were... Five minutes are up. That was harsh, I know, but I I couldn't resist. Well, that was uh, that. These five minutes fly by. I want to thank you for being on, and um, who knows if people like you, maybe we can get you on again. I I would love to. Um, I just hope that I did not Jago this interview. Um, And you know, I'm attending some ROH shows in the future. I'd love to come on in the future and talk to them, especially since it was just announced today that Takeshi Morishima is going to be in Long Island for the ROH. Takeshi in Long Island, what a combo! Well, again, I thank you, Chris McLeod, for being on. I'll be back in a second with our next guest. Okay, we are here right now with Chris Dempsey of InThisVeryRing.com. Your topic is upcoming UFC events, and your five minutes start right now. So the next show we have is a fight night on April 5th, but we don't know the card. So two days later, we have UFC 69 shootout from uh, the Toyota Center in Texas. Yeah, Uh, shootout in Texas. That's a wonderful bit of irony there. Yeah, well, 
considering it's UFC 69, they could have been much worse uh, nicknames. Yeah, a lot that. worse. Yeah. But big match, we have George uh, St. Pierre against Matt Serra for the welterweight title. Give me a winner. Uh, most likely George St. Pierre. Uh, Serra, uh, I don't know. He, he's well. GSP is coming off his injury. So it's going to be his first fight back, and well, let's see how he does. Sarah's a bit, a bit sketchy, but it'd be good if Matt Sarah wins because the winner of this fight goes on against Matt Hughes. So that way they can do Matt versus Matt, and if they do Matt versus Matt, they could have you know like Matt Classic as a special referee or something. So that would be good. That's true, but I think they would want to do uh, St. Pierre against yeah. Matt Hughes in Montreal, yeah, I'm sure. yeah, which may cause a riot if Hughes wins. But yeah, I think. Uh, St. Pierre kicks the shit out of him, and I saw his uh, his nickname is Rush, like Rush, yeah. like the band, like the he must be a big fan of Getty Lee, I guess. Uh, well, he's from Canada, so that explains a lot. We also have Luke Luke Kumo is back, my hero Luke Kumo. What an unfortunate last name. Well, he's gonna he's gonna beat up Josh Haynes. I promise you this. Oh, oh God, put money on this. Uh, besides that, um, well, we also have Diego Sanchez against Josh Josh Koscheck. That'll be a uh, interesting fight. Either Diego ends it really fast, or Cost puts up a little bit of a struggle, but he'll still probably lose. Yeah, and also Heath Herring, who badly needs a win after his uh, shitastic performance last <laughs> Ultimate Fight Night Live, goes against Brad Eames, and he may that's, not get that win. That's pretty funny. You mentioned Heath Herring. He's in a prelim match, so he may not even oh, make the pay per view. Ouch. So yeah, let, let's hope I'm sticks to actual fighting and not that gay ass wrestling. <laughs> Uh, then uh, a mere three weeks later, we have UFC 70, when nations collide from England. And uh, this is scheduled for pay-per-view, and I really hope and pray this one's on HBO, because this looks like a yeah, hell of a card. There's a rumor that they might that, that might not be shown over here, which is would be a terrible inju- travesty of injustice to quote Yoel Yeah. And uh, we got Mirko Krokop against Gabriel Gonzaga. I see a, uh, a long, short night for Mr. Gonzaga. Yeah, expect to catch his head in about the 18th <laughs> row, probably. Yep, and uh, Andre Arlovski against Fabricio Verdum. Uh, hoping Andre can uh, <clears throat> get on the comeback trail. I think it's heavyweight division's more interesting when he's involved. <coughs> Excuse me. That was uh, Arlovski versus Couture, the new heavyweight champion. Should uh, If they decide to do that, that would be a quite the interesting fight. That would be quite a match. And uh, <clears throat> also of note, Forrest Griffin against Lyoto Machida. Machida and Noki protege, who is actually good at shoot fighting. Oh, God. Um, let's hope Forrest doesn't run out of the arena this time. <laughs> I remember that. I hope he's a bit more prepared for a loss and will not run across the English Channel to uh, or the Atlantic he'll, Ocean. He'll run back to train. Oh, I fucked up again. Oh, man. <laughs> that would be very, very bad. Uh, well, we had the big news. It Randy Couture... Winning the heavyweight title this past Saturday. Saturday, yes. And if he doesn't have a date with Andre Arlovsky, he's got one with Mirko Krokop uh, down the road. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta fear for Randy's life on that one. If Randy's win was a rocky moment, uh, Krokop could be his Drago, only his Drago. maybe worse. If he dies, he dies. <laughs> if he's if if Krokop <laughs> said that, that he would be uh, even greater than he is right yes. now. So. We have about a minute left, so you're predicting... Predicting GSP, Diego Sanchez, uh, Yushin Okami over Mike Swick. All right. And maybe Okami can draw little uh, Chinese signatures with his control. Oh, wait, the wrong Okami. Uh, Brad Ives probably lose to Heath Herring in a match we'll never see. <laughs> Kendall Grove over Alan Belcher. 
Helen the Talent Belcher. Yes. And uh, Pete Sells and uh, Pete Spratt are also fighting in the prelim matches. So. Wow. And uh, Crow Cop down the road will be the champion. Yes. We'll just destroy people. And uh, we also have down the line, we have um, Chuck Liddell against Quentin Rampage Jackson. And if Chuck shows up like he did on that Texas... That really? Texas show. This could be a long, let's, a long night. Let's keep Chuck away from the Nyquil. Yeah. Um, are you worried about Chuck Liddell at all, or? Um, you know what? With Chuck, it's hard to tell with Chuck. Uh, either he'll show up, or he'll just fall down several times. <laughs> so who knows with Chuck? Five minutes are up. Uh, that flew a, by. What a. What an angry that was, that was the angriest buzzer I could find. But uh, I definitely thank you for being on. And uh, this was fun for five thank five short so minutes. Yes, it was. Oh, no problem. Okay, my next guest is a great, great man, Alan Cunahan. Your topic is the March 4th Ring of Honor show in Liverpool, England. And your five minutes starts right now. You- okay. So, well, I was at both Ring of Honor shows this weekend in Liverpool. And I believe the Shakara fan Dan talked about... Uh, Saturday show, so um, I'm going to talk about the Sunday show, and it was, I compared this show to being really, like, better than our best from um, last year's Milestone series, Mm -hmm. in that it was a show that was just, just packed to the brim with just matches, like, in and around the four-star range, just one after another, it was really, really great, one of my favorite Ring of Honor shows of all time, without doubt, it didn't have the. Uh, um, I was gonna say it didn't have like the type of like a Joe Kabashi type match or a, or any of those like match of the year type matches. But to, to be honest, like um, one of the matches which I'll get into later, the um, Naruki Doi Shingo and No More Score match was really, really close to one of the best tag matches we'll probably see in 2007, I think. But anyway, I'll go through the show quickly. Um, it opened up with... Well, actually, the show started before the show started. In mm-hmm. the, about a half an hour before the first match, Jimmy Jacobs and BJ Whitmer just started fighting around the arena. They just came out of nowhere, spilled onto a few chairs, and just beat the crap out of each other for a bit, and then went to the back. And then about half an hour, half an hour later, the show started... And um, we had a comedy match between Delirious and Colt Daddy Cabana, who was doing an impersonation of the British wrestler Big Daddy. Ah. Uh, he came down with Big Daddy's entrance, and a little baby, a little doll baby, which got thrown around. There was all kinds of hijinks. Um, the referee got schoolboyed. Lots of spots around in Todd Sinclair, and. Um, um, some uh, questioning of the frivolousness of um, Delirious's mother's sexual behavior um, from Cabana and Delirious. Uh, Delirious was very upset by these accusations, and um, the, the crowd chanted, "That's despicable, Cabana!" <laughs> and then Cabana hit a big uh, move in the corner, which he called the despicable driver. Uh. And so that was a great comedy match and I'll move on we had the Shimmer match and yeah nothing really to say about that it was was fine um, then we had the bro- uh, the, the match between uh, BJ Whitmer and uh, Jimmy Jacobs and they fought everywhere they fought up in our balcony and Jimmy Jacobs got uh, thrown across the slid across the little uh bar tabletop type things that we had in front of our seat and mm-hmm. they, they went everywhere there was a hurricane off the stairs and 
all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, then uh, uh, BJ Whitmer won with a uh, Brainbuster on the ramp, and it was it was a really really good match, the best match I've seen between in these guys in the feud between these two guys. I don't know if being live and seeing the brawl up close made made it better than like some of the other matches people have seen, but. Uh, I don't know. I think I think when it comes on DVD, it'll it'll shine through as being the best of their series. Um, next we had um, I believe it was um, Matt Sadell and Park next, and this was as good a one-on-one high-flying match as I think you're going to see. Mm-hmm. The crowd was going nuts for Park. Sadell was playing the subtle heel just tremendously, and um, by the end, everyone really wanted Park to win, and he came very close, but Sadell was just just too good for him. One of the shooting. All right, well, we only have about a minute left, so why don't you okay, uh, breeze better, through it as best hurry. you can. Okay, Briscoe's absolutely awesome, one-on-one, just exactly what you'd expect from Mark Chris J. Briscoe's. A double count-out, they tease the double count-out a couple of times, and uh, finally, after a a, wrist, a cutthroat driver, it was over. Um, then we had my match of the night, No Remorse Core versus Doi and Shingo. You know... A match is great when, in the closing falls, you're looking around to try and find where the the other guys are so they can't break up the pins. Mm. Everyone was rooting on Doi and Shingo to win. Every time Doi was hitting punches, the crowd were chanting, Doi, 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 Doi. He was probably the biggest baby face of the whole show until Samoa Joe came out. And, yeah, that match, as as good a tag as I think we'll see this year. It was was amazing. Uh, Best match of the weekend. Um... Then we had uh, the uh, we had the five without honor. Nigel McGuinness and Jimmy Rave, crazy, lots of guardrail spots. Nigel won with a big rebound lariat. Then Joe and Homicide, and it was great little simple match. Uh, Julius Smokes was highly entertaining. And <laughs> Why don't you finish telling us about the uh, the main event? We're going to overtime here. <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> just a little bit over. Joe. Uh, Gave a speech. It was really emotional. Everyone was going crazy for it. It was it was a really really nice moment. Uh, it was different than some of the other farewells you've seen. It wasn't really like punks. All the wrestlers sort of stayed up on the ramps of in re- in reverence of Joe and let him have his moment down in the ring. It was it was really really great. It was absolutely fantastic show. Better than night one in my opinion. Although night one was great in itself. So uh, we should probably pick this one up on DVD. Oh, yes, without that. Both, both shows I hardly recommend to pick, pick up on these. All right, well, I want to thank you for doing this quick quick five minutes. This flew by, as as they always no problem, do. No. I was worried I wouldn't be able to understand you, but uh, not a problem with the ISX seconds. Hopefully cool. you understood me. And uh, oh, yeah. thanks for being on. I'll be back in a second with our next guest. We're back. Uh, my guest right now is Kelvin Cabrera, or Kelvin NYC, I guess. Mm-hmm, that's right. That's right. Well, now uh, on DVDR, uh, Dolphin and NYC because of some really, really bizarre problems with the, the board, but oh. that's neither here nor there. All right. Well, your topic is, let's see, it's only good wrestlers ever come from Miami, and your five, <laughs> your five minutes begins right now. So how did you come up with this theory, pray tell? Are you from Miami or... I I am from Miami. Okay. I was uh, I grew up in the Hialeah section of Miami, which uh, some people will know for the famous racetrack, which is now unfortunately shut down. But um, yeah, we uh, I, I was 
just looking through uh, through some of the the people that have been built from Miami, Florida, and I was like, you know what? We've got a pretty goddamn good uh, good little roster of folks there. Now, is this just um, people build from Miami, or actually from the Miami area? Um, a little of both. Okay, a little of both because um, I know for a fact that uh, Conan and Ray Mysterio both uh, reside in the Miami area. Okay. Uh, despite the kayfabe of uh, San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rock, obviously. Obviously. I mean, I'll certainly give you The Rock. Yeah. <laughs> um, MVP, uh, as far as I knew, grew up in Miami. Um, I don't know if he's still living there right now. but I believe uh, he... I did a little research. I think... I don't know if he's... he's he grew up in Florida, probably close to the Miami area. I believe he is billed as being from Miami. I do yeah, question he if, if he is a great wrestler, though. Well, you know what? I I was looking the other day at the that thread um, where they they somebody requested a a gif of the uh, ball and elbow drop. Yes. And and I just I just couldn't stop giggling over and over and over again. Just seeing Joey Mercury taking those pictures and uh, just having him shout out ballin <laughs> that. That's that's the first step. Um, <laughs> you know, if, if he'd cut the sleeves off of his little outfit there, that'd be the next step, I think. Yeah, and then if he actually develops some talent, that would be. Oh the yeah, step. that would be step three. <laughs> but um, yeah, they, you know, I think there's a lot of potential in MVP, and yes. um, yeah, I mean, they, they, I think the the, the future is. is you know, it's obviously cloudy for anybody. You know, we we at one time thought Jeff Hardy was going to be the next coming of God and, well. you know, Scott Steiner and, you know, any one of these people that, uh, that, you, that people say have limitless potential. Um, I don't know why. I just, I get that kind of good feeling from uh, from good old Montel Vontavious and... Uh, and you know the, he's he's definitely one of the stars of the future. I think mm. if if he keeps on with his good push, keeps on with his from what I hear, good attitude, and uh, just keeps on learning from guys like uh, like the Benoits of the world, like the Undertakers of the world, uh, guys who will show them the way and um, hopefully no. make him. You know, yeah. a great star in the future. Now, you also had uh, Orlando Jordan on the list, who is not, or ironically, from Orlando, but uh, <laughs> he was built from Miami. He was built from Miami. Um, I believe that was because he went to the University of Miami. Oh, um, there you go. Could be mistaken about that, but I, I believe I read that somewhere. And, um, you know, the thing with Orlando Jordan is he may be the luckiest guy like to ever to have a career during this decade because he hooked up with JBL at just the perfect time right after um, Eddie Guerrero's title reign bombed unfortunately mm-hmm. and he just he he worked himself all the way up to be the number two champion on SmackDown for a really long time like eight months I mean, yeah I mean much longer than then he probably had any right to to be. But, um, you know, he he had some, some decent matches with, uh, with Benoit, and uh, 
I, I personally, I think the angle that was proposed, but never saw the light of day with. Um, <laughs> Speaking of with, hooking up. Yeah, explore, exploring that bisexuality, and I think that that would have been maybe one of the more interesting angles that they ever put on. I mean, obviously, the WWE has a history of sensitive and touching portrayals of uh, sure you know, <laughs> people in that uh, particular uh, grouping. But, uh, hey, you know, it, was, it, it seemed like a mature step Five-minute buzzer. Five minutes are up, oh, but man. let me add. Let me question this. Uh, of course, you had Razor Ramon from Miami, Florida. What about fake Razor Ramon? Rick Bogner also builds from Miami, Florida. Ooh. Your guess. theory is bullshit. I kind of <laughs> <laughs> like the guy because he was in NWO Japan. All right. I mean, you know, that's that's all I can say. Also, Conan once built from outer space when he was Max Moon, as listed on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Calvin, okay. this was a, a wacky and fun five minutes. I, I thank you for coming on. You did mention you, you wanted to come on and discuss this. I'm glad I could make your dream come true in at least some form. Oh, well, thank you, Joe. I do. All right, I'll be back momentarily with our next guest. I am back, and my guest right now is Michael LaCarion. Why should I say it? I knew I'd screw it up. Uh, your topic is the Internet Wrestling Syndicate, the IWS. Why don't you tell us about it, and your five minutes starts right now. Well, we're actually the International Wrestling Syndicate, which we kind of took on instead of the Internet Wrestling Syndicate because people thought we were E-Fed, and also because uh, our guys are going all over the world now. We've got guys like Kevin Steen, El Generico, going to uh, you know England, Germany, Japan, uh, and, of course, being represented in Ring of Honor, and uh, Sex Eddie is also in England and Germany. And, of course, both Generico is now the pro wrestling gorilla champion in California, and Steen was there as well before. Um, we have our biggest show of the year coming up, which is on FN Sanction on March 24th in Montreal. Christian Cage is going to be coming back to Canada as the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. He's one of the many people cheering for Christian instead of Samoa Joe in the match where he just won using the great Bret Hart roll-up. I don't know why people are complaining about it. I mean, it's historical. Um, and uh, we're also going to have Necro Butcher coming in. He's going to be facing our, uh, our champion, Viking. Uh, which is going to be a, a hellacious fight. Uh, Necro Butcher has never actually been in the IWS, but he's a lot of history with us since in the Tournament of the Death, he broke uh, uh, the Green Phantom's nose a couple of years ago, and uh, Lufisto last year in Ontario broke her hand, punching him in the skull repeatedly when she won <laughs> the Ontario Tournament of Death. So, uh, yeah, we got he's got a lot of uh, experience going up against IWS wrestlers. He did actually, in that same tournament, fight Viking and beat him, and Viking's looking forward to the rematch and uh, kick his ass in front of the Canadian fans. Uh, we're also going to have a tag team match pitting the Green Phantom and Eddie, or tag team champions, Sexy Eddie, against the Heart Ninjas. Uh, we're going to have a, a ladder match to determine the number one contenders for tag team match between uh, High Five, Cheech and Cloudy, Up in Smoke, the best team from Ontario, Lionel Knight and Chris Bishop, the uh, team mate, and uh, the pride of the Utway, the Super Smash Brothers, which is Player Uno and uh, uh, Stupefied. Uh, we're not sure yet if Player Uno's knowledge of the Contra Code is going to give him any special advantage in ladder matches, but we'll see if that's the case. Uh, there's also going to be the Canadian Open, which is going to be a six-man match featuring Dan Paisan, the champion, who now has belts in four different promotions across Canada, mm-hmm. uh, against uh, uh, Twiggy and Pornstar One, Rob Vegas from the States, Kenny the Bastard from New Zealand, who's a former IWS Canadian champion, and Justin White, who's the 2006 NWA Rookie of the Year. Um, that's six. 
but it's also going to feature Vanessa Craven because we can't count and because it's a six-man match, but she's a woman. And at six feet tall and 250 pounds, she's not only the hottest indie prospect in wrestling, but she's also probably the most dangerous physical threat in that particular match, and I'm scared to death of her. All right. Are you affiliated with the uh, the IWS? Like, What's your role with the company? Uh, I'm the publicist um, and the historian. Um, I also sort of pitch in in terms of uh, making suggestions for matches. I don't necessarily uh, do the booking, but I sort of pester the guys who are on the booking committee with ideas. And sometimes, you know, uh, we've been known to, to use some of my ideas, which is why sometimes things show up, people sometimes think we're an e-fed because we'll do matches that involve couches and people will go, well, you know, they've obviously been reading stuff. This is, you know, this. but yeah, we, we, we do stuff that's a little out of the ordinary sometimes. I, you know, as an example, we're doing a Quebec's rules match right now with uh, Fred Lamerde Hawk. Uh, and, you know, incorporating a lot of people's memories of what Quebec rules matches tend to incorporate, you know, based on the Quebecers with Pierre Carvalet and Jacques Rougeau. And, of course, Pierre Carvalet wrestles for us, so, you know, we get to go to him and have him tell us what a great Quebec rules match should have. All right. Um, that's, that, that match is going to have a lot of wacky stuff, and I can tell you that right now. All right. Now, uh, what, what sets IWS apart from other indie feds out there? Well, the first thing is that um, we're very consistently successful. We're the only... Uh, we're the first Canadian Fed that ever had its own pay-per-view. Um, we've said history a couple of times, and we're the only Canadian Fed to ever hold a, a, a show at Viking Arena in the uh, historic ECW arena. Um, we're, uh, we're, we've been called the Fed Canadian Tire because of the amount of hardware that we use in our match. I mean, we're not strictly hardcore, mm-hmm. but when we do hardcore, we do it right. Um, you know, we're the first promotion in Canada to use light tubes. Uh, we still hold the record for most light tubes used in a match uh, <laughs> in the 2000 and, uh, uh, three uh, nothing sanctioned where uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of light tubes are used. It's just so much glass. Um, you know, we're 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 a Fed that puts a, pr- a lot of pride in, in how our storylines work and keeping people uh, keeping a consistent storyline going. Uh, you know, people who read my reports on the shows can you know see a general uh, you know consistency of what we're trying to do and how things go. You know, it's not something where something happens and just gets dropped. You know, it's the consistency of what we're trying to do. And, you know, we have guys who, uh, you know, have made an impact on the indie scene, you know, with Kevin Steen, with uh, Generico, with Sexy Eddie, uh, with Max Boye now, uh, Player Uno. It's the five-minute buzzer. You are quite the shell, I have to tell you. So uh, why, don't you, why don't you tell us where we can find, uh, more about, find out more about the IWS? Well, uh, syndicatewrestling.com. Uh, is our website. Uh, you see a lot of things like there. If you just do a, a web search on L-L-A-K-O-R, you can find lots of stuff about the IWS uh, and about me and about the, the stuff I read about, uh, especially if you look at my columns when remarks, which talk about indie wrestling and uh, talk about various items of wrestling and talk about a lot of stuff to the history of the IWS. All right, and also smartmarkvideo.com for IWS DVDs, I know. Absolutely. And the next big show is... Uh, March 24th, Saturday. Oh, we're actually doing a big. Oh no, two weeks. Yeah, we're actually yeah two weeks. We're actually doing a press conference for it on Thursday uh, at uh, at a downtown pub in Montreal called Utopia, which I'm looking forward to because you know any wrestling press conference has to end with somebody going to a table. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to thank you for being on. We may have to get you on in the future to talk more about your uh, affiliation with the company, and uh, I thank you. All right, I am back. My next guest is Kid Zombie. Kid Zombie is here to discuss the lack of psychology in CZW. Uh, why don't you tell us about this? And your five minutes starts right now. 
as far as deathmatch wrestling is concerned, I'm, I go back old school, 1989, FMW, Onita, Goto, you know, when they actually built in their matches, you know, they used actual psychology as far as using the gimmicks and the bob wire and the explosions and whatnot. Now, you pop in a DVD of CZW or you go to a show for CZW, you don't see any of that. These guys are just doing all this ultra-violent stuff, you know, cutting each other up, diving through bob wire glass for no reason. I don't, I don't understand it. It's not wrestling. Now, um, did CZW, was there ever a point where there, where there was palpable psychology in their matches, or has it always been like this? Um, it's pretty much just been, you know, slice and dice, with mm-hmm. the exception of the, the Cage of Death shows, because those were mostly uh, storyline-based, where they, they either ended a storyline or started a storyline. But other than that, it was just slice and dice. Mm-hmm. Are there any uh, exceptions? Anyone who, who does understand what they're doing in these matches? Necro Butcher. And what makes him different from uh, from everyone else? Well, from what I know of Necro, he goes into a match using the same psychology as a regular wrestling match, but then he works in the gimmicks. They 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 sell to the gimmick, and they build and they build until you know he hits a spot somewhere. It's not just doing shit to do shit. Mm-hmm. Plus, the guy can work. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people can wrestle. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Necro Butcher is. Um, I've been watching Necro. I first saw him, I think, two thousand one, and uh, he does have. He has an aura about him, and uh, he's definitely on a level above pretty much every other kind of uh, deathmatch worker, certainly in the U.S. Like he comes across, he's highly intelligent. Have you ever uh, talked to him, or no? Oh, okay. No, I've never. I've never met Necro, but I did watch his his CZW shoot that he did with uh, Bryce Rensburg, mm-hmm. and you can get that at CZWfans.com. <laughs> Sorry, cheap plug. But um, not a problem. Yeah, he came off. He came off highly intelligent, and and if you uh, read the report, the Battle of Los Angeles Road report from the Figure Four Weekly, mm-hmm. you'll you know you'll get Brian Alvarez's point point of view as well. Um, Brian spent some time with him when when uh, Vinny and himself were down there for the Battle of Los Angeles, and he just comes off. You know, I've seen his very early stuff from Texas before the the deathmatch stuff, mm-hmm. and he was he was just a, a great worker. He knew what to do, when to do it, where to do it, and out. Now, uh, how was his stuff in Texas? Was this deathmatch stuff or just normal Texas indie wrestling? Yeah, it's Texas Indie Wrestling. Just the beginning, it was it was just, you know, wrestling here and there. Um, I have a DVD comp of it, and from the guy, uh, David Farmer, who ran the promotion that Nanako started in. And it was mostly wrestling, and towards uh, the end of the disc, it starts to go into the hardcore stuff with uh, Hot Stuff Hernandez. Oh, really? What, uh, currently of, of LAX, what, was it like, do you just mean like street fights, or like really hardcore stuff? It was. It started. They started out with the with regular matches. Then they would go to the the DQ or the countout. Then the next week they would come back, do the same thing. You know, a DQ or countout. <clears throat> then they would do a street fight and then falls count anywhere. To, and, and it ended up with a barbed wire match. Oh, all right. Uh, back. But they built it. Oh, go ahead. Like back in the territory days when when bookers were booking week to week for each town. Mm-hmm. This this indie did this, ran the same deal. 
where they would have a couple towns each each week, and they would just keep coming back and building and building and building. Um, Is this uh, company still around or? No. Ah. No. No, they're not around. All right. But Necro Necro was doing the same thing with the XCW promotion that has the TV deal with Mav mm-hmm. Mav TV. He when he was booking, they were doing the same type of same type of week to week booking. Oh. Uh, so go out of your way to get that stuff. Okay. Last point on CZW. Do you think it's how how are the normal matches? Is it not just a problem with death matches and the lack of of good build and, and psychology? It's most well, most of the undercard stuff are you know they bring in the big name indie guys, and it's you know mostly spot fests, and mm-hmm. with the exception of my personal hero Chris Hero. But um, other than that, it's you know uh, kids out of the school that are just six months in with three matches under their belt. That's stuff. a five minute buzzer. I want to thank you for being on. Do you have any uh, a last point you want to make or? Um. Well, of course, figure4online.com. Okay. All right. Thanks yep. for being on. I am back, and I have my last guest of this show. He is Trevor Dame. We call him Hobbs. Uh, Hobbs, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. And the pleasure of all yours, Joe. Oh, thank you. And yes. your topic is wrestling newsletters, if I remember correctly. Yes, I just yes. want to – I'll start with an anecdote that will not go into your five minutes that I, I waited for my observer this week. Didn't come. Didn't come Saturday. Not a big deal. Doesn't I'm on the East Coast. Doesn't come Saturday very often. Didn't come Monday, which you know, all right, that's fine. Then it didn't come Tuesday, and I'm like, uh oh, did my subscription run out? It did. Wow. Catastrophe. <laughs> oh, at least you know you didn't have Dave on the show and told me subscription ran out. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. That, wow. that would be really rude. To do, he, but it's a good thing you never do anything like that, eh, Joe? Eh? No. Hey, yeah. So you got an A in there. Wonder where I'm from. Yeah. All right, well, you are talking wrestling newsletters. Your five minutes starts right now, so let's have at it. Okay, well, the reason why I did newsletters is because I'm not an expert in anything else. And by expert in newsletters, I mean I subscribe to three of them. That's mm-hmm. what makes me an expert, because I don't think anyone else is that big of a loser. Um, the thing is... Uh, I think if people want to subscribe to newsletters, people always wonder, like, which one gives you the best news? Like, which one gets the most complete news? And the answer is, really, they each give you really different... Uh, there's different stories in all three. Like, the three, big three, The Observer, mm-hmm. The Figure Four, The Torch, they'll all cover the big stories. But if you... But there'll always be little stories that each one covers that the rest don't. But by far, like, The Observer will give you the most little stories. And the figure four, actually, it's pretty good. Like, in the last year, the figure four, I've been surprised. They've picked up, like, a lot more of little stories that you won't see anywhere else, just little tidbits of news. And the torch is, like, real threadbare these days. Wade used to have this real great reputation where he'd report, like, little things that maybe were a little too dirty for Dave, like just, so-and-so doesn't like eating with Tajiri. But now Wade doesn't even have really much great in the way of news. I actually I subscribed to the Observer and also the Figure Four. Never subscribed to the Torch. Never really saw the point. I didn't think there was anything that I couldn't get in the uh, Observer or Figure Four, except maybe a Torch Talk. Yeah, that's the one. The, the big thing about the Torch is the Torch Talk, and the Torch is like 
the one nice thing about all three newsletters is they're completely different from each other. Mm-hmm. But the Torch more than the other newsletters has, has like a ton of reader content, which I personally am not a fan of because you know I'm paying to read you know what I like to hope is someone more informed than me, or at least one that has sources, and I don't want to read a bunch of reader reactions and James Caldwell and talking about how, how Brett masturbated when one heart died or something. But um. <laughs> But the great, I think each site, like even if you don't like the torch, it's worth paying seven dollars to su- just to subscribe for one month, because there's so much audio content. Like there's so many interviews that he's done down with wrestlers, and he's going over every single WrestleMania now with audio shows where he and Bruce Mitchell and Pat McNeil talk about every WrestleMania, <laughs> and it's worth it just to pay seven bucks once, download a whole bunch of crap, and then never subscribe again. Sure, we would like to hear that, but. Yeah, you should, you cheap piece of shit. Um, <laughs> anyway, the, what else? Um, <laughs> you ran out of content before the five minutes are up. Actually, you know what? I can't with a backup plan in case the newsletter thing failed as I thought it would. So, how much time do I got left, Joe? You got about two minutes. Okay, that's no problem then. My backup plan is right here. Pro Wrestling Illustrated from 1994, and I will now recite to you the Nasty Boys, the 10 nastiest things we've ever done. Legal. Legal. Number five. Another time we were walking down West 34th Street in Manhattan. It was lit at night, about 2 a.m., and some homeless bum was lying against the Empire State Building. Yo, Jerry said, what do you think you're doing lying here? If you want to hang around this building, get a job inside. It appeared the mum needed some incentive, so we grabbed him by the beard, threw him out of his cardboard box and onto the sidewalk, and lit a match to the box, clothes and all. Everything that smelly guy had went up in smoke, and we heard him mutter something about seeing an employment agency next morning. New clothes? He probably got them at one of those cheap dollar stores nearby. Nasty enough for you? Well, try this one. Now, Joe, you wonder what this one is. Well, that would be number six. We were in a gym in California when some stupid muscle-head pretty boy asked us, to, asked us to spot him on the bench press. Brian said, yeah, I'll do it. He did it all right. The guy couldn't bench 400, and just when he was about to give up, we walked away and left 400 pounds slamming down on his chest. Man, you should have heard that guy scream. It was something. But I think the best one, so I only got time, a little bit of time left, is actually number three. Now... You may think, Joe, these guys are pretty nasty, you know, strangers, homeless bums. I mean, we all kind of are. But this one, this one's about their mom and dad. Before leaving our hometown of Allentown, Pennsylvania, for a tour, we shot off the power to our parents' refrigerators, spoiled all the meat we were never going to get a chance to eat anyway. Hope they enjoyed being vegetarians. Mom was eating mashed potatoes for weeks. That one's short and sweet. It's pretty good. It's the five-minute buzzer. Well, I thank you uh, for being on. Sadly, we'll never find okay. out what the the nastiest thing they ever did was, but yeah. but yep, that was that was good times, and uh, yeah, thanks.
Well, that's going to do it. I hope you enjoyed our little audio odyssey here. And if you like hearing a particular guest, let me know, and we may hear from them again in the future. I thank all of them for being on, even Hobbs, I guess. But a uh, big thanks go to Alan Cunahan, who we had on, recorded a segment, thought it wasn't usable, recorded a second second segment, which was not usable, and found out we could use the first, so went with the first. And uh, I thank him for his patience and also his support of the show. But the fun don't stop there, folks. We have a special two-part show beginning with episode number 45, this one's in the can, as they say, after a mammoth three-hour recording session, and I think you're going to enjoy it. Plus, episode number 50 is looming on the horizon, and I promise you it'll be a part hey to remember. So, as always, thanks for listening, and I will talk to you soon. <laughs>